What's up, Be Easy Podcast listeners? It is late, late, like late, late for me to be doing a podcast. But I promised that I was going to bring two influential African-American people today. Um, And since it's only 1046, I am still holding true to my word. I definitely try to be a woman of my word. Sometimes the day gets away from me and things happen, but I have finished all of the orders that I need to finish for today. I have gotten my other orders already mailed out. My daughter, who I have been dealing with um, because she's sick with her tummy, um, I got her to bed. My older two are in the bed as well, so I can bring you um, the African-Americans that I find to be influential or have paved the way and done something great. So the first one is Mary Eliza Mahoney. And she was the first African-American to study and work as a professionally trained nurse in the United States. She graduated in 1879. Think about this. Her birthday was a little over 30 days ago, 31, January 4th, 1926 in Boston, Massachusetts. Excuse me, is when she died. I apologize because she graduated in 1879. So imagine dying in a time where there was a Great Depression after you had already lived through so many crazy things. Um, She was the first African-American to graduate from nursing school um, and she prospered in a predominantly white society, which is really crazy to think about at that time, you prospering in a predominantly white society. Um, she did challenge discrimination against African-Americans in nursing. And let me give you a little background to her. She was born May 7th, 1845. Ooh, that makes her Taurus. My birthday is May 9th. All right, Mary. <laughs> She's great, like me, Um, in Dorchester, Massachusetts. She died in Boston, Massachusetts, January 4th, 1926, at the age of 80. Um, Her alma mater is New England Hospital for Women and Children. And of course, as I stated, she is or was a nurse, excuse me. Um, In 1908, Mahoney uh, co-founded the National Association of Colored, Colored Graduate Nurses, NACGN with Ida B. Thomas. Um, This organization was an attempt to lift up the standards of everyday lives of African-American registered nurses. Um, It had a significant influence on eliminating racial discrimination in a registered nursing profession. Excuse me. Um, She also received many honors and awards for her pioneering work. She was inducted into the American Nurses Association Hall of Fame in 1976 and into the Women's Hall of Fame in 1993. Hmm, that's dope. Let's see. Um, Her awards and honors, she was recognized for her outstanding example to nurses of all races. Um, The NACGN established the Mary Mahoney Award in 1936 when it NACGN merged with the American Nurses Association in 1951. The award was continued. Um, The Mary Mahoney Award is bestowed um, by the ANA in recognition of significant contributions in advancing equal opportunities in nurses. 
and nursing, excuse me, for members of minority groups. Um, let's see, what else did she get? She has the Mary Mahoney Memorial Health Center in Oklahoma City. Uh, Mary Mahoner, Mahoney Lecture Series, Indiana University Northwest. Um, the Mary Eliza Mahoney Dialysis Center is a stop on the Boston Women's Heritage Trail. Hmm, that's awesome. Um, in retirement, Mahoney was still considered the women's equality and a strong supporter of women's suffrage. She actively participated in the advancement of civil rights in the United States. In 1920, after women's suffrage was achieved in the U.S., Mahoney was among the first women in Boston to register to vote. All right. So not only was she, you know, prosperous in a predominantly white um, society, but she was also one of the first women to vote in Boston. That is awesome. Like, really, really awesome. Um, In 1923, Mahoney was diagnosed with breast cancer and battled the illness for three years until she died in uh, 1926, as I stated previously. Um, Her graveyard is located in Woodlawn Cemetery in Everett, Massachusetts. Uh, In 1968, Helen Sullivan Miller, a recipient of the Mary E. Mahoney Medal, spearheaded a drive to establish a proper monument for her and i can only imagine back then they didn't probably have a whole lot of monuments for african-american people um to show for you know where they were buried and things of that nature but she seemingly you know was really active in her community especially among african-americans in the nursing community and i'm pretty sure that um it wasn't easy especially in the 1800s and she died in 1926 so she was going through all of it um let's see about her early life and wow Mahoney's parents were freed slaves originally from North Carolina who moved north before the Civil War in pursuit of a life with less racial discrimination um she was the eldest of four children with one sibling sibling dying at an early age, um, at a young age, Mahoney was a loyal Baptist and churchgoer who frequently attended People's Baptist Church in Roxbury. So shout out to Boston, Massachusetts. Shout out to Roxbury Church. Shout out to Dorchester, Massachusetts, because you all have some really great history of this African-American woman. Um, She was also admitted into the Phillips School at the age of 10, one of the first integrated schools in Boston. Okay, Boston. And stayed from first grade to fourth grade. Um, The Phillips School was known for teaching its students to value the value of morality and humanity alongside general subjects such as English, history, arithmetic, and more. It is said that um, this instruction influenced Mahoney's early interest in nursing you know our school systems really need to get back into teaching about morality and humanity and respecting others for their differences and things of that nature because it is vitally vitally important that you know we respect each other's differences understand about having values and morals and um 
and appreciating humanity. So let's see. Um, Mahoney was briefly engaged to an unknown doctor for some time in her life. And it was speculated to happen around her early 20s. Unfortunately, um, this engagement didn't last long and left both parties emotionally damaged. Um, Mahoney did not marry and remained single for the rest of her life, which lets us know that she didn't have any heirs that would follow behind her or she would have a legacy to leave behind to anyone. Um, she knew at an early age she wanted to become a nurse, um, possibly due to seeing immediate emergency emergence of nurses during the American Civil War. Um, at some point, she was admitted into a 16-month program at the New England Hospital of Women and Children, like I said, where she graduated from at the age of 33, alongside 39 other students in 1878. Um, this institution became the first institution to offer such a program, allowing women to work towards entering the healthcare industry, which was predominantly led by men. Uh, the criteria in which the hospital utilized while choosing students for their program emphasized that 40 applicants would be well and strong between the ages of 21 and 31, have a good reputation as to character and disposition. Hmm. She worked nearly 16 hours a day for 15 years that she worked as a laborer. Man, some of us get irritated with working from 8 to 5. Imagine working 16 hours daily for 15 years. What that says to me is there was a level of dedication that so many people do not have today. But here's my deal. They were in a different time frame and a different point in their life. So working 16 hours a day, having a different mindset and a different level of work ethic was what was needed at that time frame. Not saying that work ethic And a mindset isn't needed today, but we are definitely leaning more towards being entrepreneurs, business owners, establishing ourselves as having a level of independence versus punching the clock. Like the generation I am at the high end or, you know, what I call the senior citizen of the millennials, right? Ages 18 to 36 is what they have said the millennials are. I'm kind of, for me, I'm at the top of that. I'm 35. So it's like I ended one generation and I began the next generation. So with that being said, um, I, I am a part of that generation where a nine to five or eight to five, a seven thirty to three thirty, however you want to look at it, isn't isn't something that I strive for. Like I strive for greatness in a completely different way by owning businesses, 
you know, purchasing land, purchasing homes, building on that land, things of that nature so that I have a legacy. I have something to leave behind. I am a huge history buff. So when I read stories and do research on people and things of that nature, and it says, I read these stories and it's like, for her working 16 hours a day for 15 years straight says you know what no matter what the time frame is it was her herself who had that level of tenacity and diligence and perseverance to keep pushing through no matter what it was that she was facing at that time she persevered through and here's the thing we may not be suffering like women's suffrage and having less rights, you know, as they had, we may not be dealing with some of the same things in a very, you know, forward kind of deal. But my thing is we still have our own society things that we are dealing with there are still gripes there are still things that you know have been passed down through the generations that we are dealing with and I just feel like if they can do it so can we and there should be no excuses of why she could work 15 hours or 16 hour days with way less technology way less you know um people that were willing to look beyond her color like she was prosperous I get it but realized that her living in 1800s and dying in 1926 like there were a lot of uphill battles that I'm pretty sure that she had to face and fight in her journey of becoming prosperous so we live in a world where you know, the internet is readily available. Like we walk around with computers in our hands. So there's no reason that we can't be great. If she could be great and everybody that came before us can be great, we can be great too. So, you know, that's just my little take on it. Okay. So we've talked about Mary Eliza Mahoney. Um, and I, and I think that you know, what she accomplished was absolutely phenomenal. I, the next person that, um, inspired me to talk about was Miss Bessie Coleman. She was an American civil aviator. Like, and she's beautiful. How about that? And she's beautiful. Um, She was the first woman of African-American descent and the first of Native American descent to hold a pilot license. So we have a twofold. She is a part of our Black history, but she's also a part of our Native American history, which is awesome. Um, I can relate to both because I am African-American and I do have Native American. I, I There's not too many people, I think, at this point that can say they don't have some level of Native American in them. But it's really good to do your family genealogy so that you can um, be aware of what Native American tribe you, you know, you fit in. Um, she achieved her international pilot license in 1921. 
Um, so let's do a little bit of background on Miss Bessie. She was born January 26, 1892 in Atlanta, Texas, at Atlanta, Georgia. Unfortunately, at the age of 34, wow, she was younger than me. Um, she died April 30th, 1926 in Jacksonville, Florida. She is currently buried in Lincoln Cemetery, Cook County, Illinois. Um, she married Claude, Claude Glenn in 1917, but they separated soon after. That kind of sucks. Um, let's see. Um, she was born to a family of sharecroppers in Texas. So shout out to Texas. Um, she went into the cotton fields at a young age, but also studied in a small segregated school and went on to attend one term of college at Langston University. Shout out to Langston. Uh, she developed an early interest in flying, but African-Americans, Native Americans, and women had no flight school opportunities in the U.S. So she saved money to go to France's to become a licensed pilot. So she had three strikes against her. She was African-American, Native American, and a woman. She had three strikes against her. I just felt really compelled to repeat that again because she found a way around it, made no excuses, didn't, you know, just give up. She found a way around it. She saved the money. Um, she soon became a successful air show pilot in the United States and helped to start a school for African-American flyers. She died in a plane crash in 1926 while testing her new aircraft. Her pioneering role was an inspiration to early pilots and to the African-American and Native American communities. Wow, that's just, wow. That's rough. So let's see. When she was young, every year, Coleman's routine was school chores and church. Oh, her early routine of school chores and church was interrupted by the cotton harvest. In 1901, George Coleman left his family. He returned to Oklahoma or Indian Territory, as it was then called. Um, to find better opportunities, but Susan and her family did not go along. At the age of 12, Bessie was accepted into the Missionary Baptist Church School on scholarship. Awesome. You go, Bessie girl. When she turned 18, she took her savings and enrolled in the Oklahoma Color Agricultural and Normal University, now called Langston University. All right. Langston, shout out again. She completed one term before her money ran out and she returned home. Hey, she was in there. She was doing it. Um, in 1916, at the age of 24, she moved to Chicago, Illinois, where she lived with her brothers. In Chicago, she worked as a manicurist at the White Sox Barbershop. Oh, shucks. I wonder what manicures were like back then. Because, you know, they didn't have all the tools and stuff that we have now. So I wonder what their utensils, their tools look like to do manicures. I'm going to look that up. That's some, hmm, that my curiosity is getting me. Um, she had heard later about some stories from pilots returning home from World War One, 
Um, She took a second job at a chili parlor to procure money faster um, to become a pilot. Um, As an American flight school of the time admitted neither woman nor blacks, Robert S. Abbott, founder and publisher of the Chicago Defender, encouraged her to study abroad. Uh, Coleman received financial backing from banker Jesse Binga and the Defender. Again, this is one of those moments where I wish I was doing this live so that I could pull up a picture, pull up the picture, excuse me, and show you all her picture and what it looked like when she got her aviator aviation license and let me tell you something being that we are in 2019 they would not have accepted this aviation license the way that it was just filled in handwritten i mean times have completely changed um coleman took french classes at the berlitz school in chicago and then traveled to paris on november 20th 1920 so she could earn her pilot's license she learned to fly in the Newport 82 biplane with a steering system that consisted of a vertical stick, the thickness of a baseball bat in front of the pilot, and a rudder bar under the pilot's feet. And again, in 1921, on June 15th, Coleman became the first woman of African American and Native American descent to earn an aviation pilot's license. And an international aviation license from the Federation Aeronautique Internationale. Federation Aeronautique Internationale. Hmm. Determined to polish her skills, Coleman spent the next two months taking lessons from a French ace pilot near Paris, and in September 1921, she sailed for New York. She became a media sensation when she returned to the United States. Wow. And she has a long, like, you know, again, I say this every time I do this. I love learning as I'm talking to you all about it. I think it's just really awesome for us to just do it together. I know probably some people listening are like, why don't she have this stuff together? Why don't she have these facts together? But hey, you know what? I'm just saying, I love learning with you all. Now here, there is a lot more information on Miss Bessie Coleman that I would urge you to look up and to read and, you know, follow along with her journey through aviation. Um, Beautiful, beautiful woman um, of African American and Native American descent. Um, So sad that she died at the age of 34 you know, testing out a plane because I'm pretty sure she had a bright future ahead of her in aviation, especially that she was so inspired to start a school for um, for women. And in my mind, I'm pretty sure she wasn't concerned whether it was black, white, blue or whatever the case may be. Um, here is a quote by her. The air is the only place free from prejudice. I knew we had no aviators, neither men nor women. 
And I knew the race needed to be represented along this most important line. So I thought it my duty to risk my life to learn aviation. Bessie Coleman. The air is the only place free from prejudices. Hmm. That should resonate. That should. Because we are in a place where prejudice and discrimination and racism is still very prevalent. And it's sad that we're reading about people that lived years ago. Like we're getting ready to go into 2022 very soon. And 1922, you know, she was taking pictures next to planes that they weren't carrying passengers it was just single seat like wow I think I just came across something that I do want to share with you all it says the thrill of stunt flying and the immense admiration of cheering crowds were the only part of Coleman's dream Coleman never lost sight of her childhood vow to one day to amount to something, in quotations. As a professional aviatrix, Coleman would often be criticized by the press for her opportunistic nature and the flamboyant style she brought to her exhibition flying. However, she also quickly gained the reputation as a skilled and daring pilot who would stop at nothing to complete a difficult stunt. On February 22, 1923, in Los Angeles, she broke a leg and three ribs when her plane stalled and crashed. So she went for it. She was all guts and glory. (laughs) She went for it. Hmm. Listen to this. Coleman would not live long enough to establish a school for young black aviators, but her pioneering achievements serve as an inspiration for a generation of African-American men and women. Because of Bessie Coleman, wrote Lieutenant William J. Powell in Black Wings, 1934, dedicated to Coleman, we have overcome that which was worse than racial barriers. We have overcome the barriers within ourselves and dared to dream. Powell served in a segregated unit during World War I and tirelessly promoted the cause of black aviation through his book, his journals, and the Bessie Coleman Aero Club, which he founded in 1929. I mean, great things, great things. We have to get rid of the racism and the discrimination and the prejudices. We have to get rid of that because it serves no purpose for anyone at all. African-Americans are smart. We are intelligent. We are human beings. We have put forth effort that we aren't always given credit for. We have come up with some of the greatest things that we aren't always given credit for. We are still doing great things. And I think that we need to hone in on our past to understand where we came from in order for us to keep pushing forward. 
A lot of people don't like history. I get it. It seems boring. It's like, you know what? That isn't affecting me, but it has. Because the freedoms that we have were fought by the people who came before us. And when there are generations that are to come in the future, and when we as adults now have come and served our purpose and gone home to glory, we want to have that legacy to leave behind. We want to be in the history books of having done something that is great for society and that we left something behind for our children and our future generations. This has been great talking to you all um, and sharing this information with you all about um, Mary Mahoney and Bessie Coleman, nursing and aviation, two great women who pioneered and did some really great things in their time. If you are interested in knowing more about them, do a simple Google search. They are there. Get to know these people because they definitely, again, have pioneered the way for so many other people um, that were wanting to get into nursing that are in nursing right now that are flight attendants and things of that nature um, that are pilots and captains and you name it. We are making strides. Um, Let's continue to thank God for grace and mercy and um, the small steps forward as we appreciate those who have paved the way for us. I will not hold you any longer, but I do hope that you have um, learned a little bit about these ladies through the today, tonight's, excuse me, podcast, and that you will um, do your part by sharing it with your children and just looking it up to get more details about both of these women. Again, it has been my pleasure to talk with you tonight. You all have a blessed night and we'll talk on the flip side. Well, Thursday (laughs) is the next time I will talk with you all. Peace and blessings. Good night.